I'm going to be starting a series uh, called Overcomer. You're probably like, Pastor, didn't, wasn't the Band of Brothers titled Overcomer? Yes, I stole the title from Band of Brothers, all right? But only the title. The content I did not steal because I really have felt on my heart um, the need to equip us for what's coming, especially in 2024. Um, and I've had two themes percolating in my heart. One is spiritual warfare. How many of you know we are, we are in a spiritual battle on planet Earth? We better know who we're fighting and we better know how to fight. If you don't know who you're fighting and you don't know how to fight, you get your brains beat out. And I don't want our church family to get our collective brains beat out. Amen? The other one is intercession and how to go after the Lord and after his presence and after answers from the Lord as it relates to the challenges that we're facing. Now, I came across a good quote. You're all going to probably recognize this first line, but it's from Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine was not in particular a godly or righteous man, although he was more godly than most of our political leaders today. But he wrote a pamphlet during the Revolutionary War called The Crisis. And you've probably heard this first line. These are the times that try men's souls. How many of you have heard that line before, right? Thomas Paine. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. And yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I like this quote because what Payne was concerned about was that America would be full of summer soldiers and sunshine patriots, and I carry this over to the body of Christ. There are people in the church that are sunshine soldiers and, and uh, what was the last part there? Uh, I'm sorry, summer soldiers, sunshine patriots. In other words, when everything's going great, it's, it's easy to be a rah-rah Christian. In fact, I've seen over the years, sometimes when, when things are not going great, that's when people fall off the boat. And then they're like, well, I can't believe this. And ever, I've heard people say, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, things got worse, not better. Surprise, surprise. How many of you have ever made a massive commitment to align yourself with the purposes of God and things went from bad to worse? Okay, good. Look around. And some people quit before they get to the victory. They quit because they're sunshine patriots. They, they, only, they only love Jesus when the sun's shining and the wind's blowing the right direction and there's no challenges. But how many of you know, I have this feeling in, as we're moving into 2024, um, this is not a time for sunshine patriots, and let me explain why. You know, whenever Christians get involved in public policy or attempt to, th those who don't like us call us um, Christian nationalists. Have you ever had that? Um, or they call us... Um, uh, we're for a Christian theocracy. We, we want to shove Jesus down everybody's throats. And I've heard people say that Christians are the most dangerous people to get involved in government. Let me just pop that bubble. The most dangerous people to get involved in leading us in government are godless people. And let me tell you why. When you're a godless person, there's nothing more important in your life uh, than control and power. Because your God or your party is God, and all you care about is control and winning elections. And it really doesn't matter. How many of you know when you don't believe in God and you don't honor his word, it doesn't matter how you win an election? Because morals are just inconvenient little things that get in the way of, of control and power. And so I'll just say loudly and clearly, we should, we should question voting for people who are ungodly. 
because that's actually one of the most dangerous things. And so let me just say this. This is not a, a political endorsement in any way, shape, or form. I'm just making an observation. I don't know what you feel about Donald Trump. I don't know if you like him, don't like him, uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I'm just pointing out something. What is happening right now to him should scare all of us because it's not about justice. It's about piling up frivolous lawsuits to make sure he doesn't run for office again. It has nothing to do with justice. In fact, let me just say this. If it was concerned about justice... Don't you all want to know who was on the Epstein Island list? Um, that would be good. Um, I'd like to know where Hillary Clinton's emails went. I'm still waiting for that one. I don't think, I, I don't think I'm going to hear about that one until till eternity. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. This is nothing about justice. It's about destruction. And it should concern all of us because that's not, that's not healthy for all of us. I mean, you think we should have, like, fair elections and all that kind of stuff. So here's my point, in case some of you didn't know. We're having a national election. Again, the circus will be ramping up. And if you think the last election was crazy, I mean, you all noticed the last national election, too, we also launched a pandemic. All I'm trying to tell you is 2024, the circus and the clowns, and the ringleaders, they're all getting ready. And I think we're in for the ride of our life. And, uh, and I don't know what's going to happen, but we know the one who's in, in charge and ruling over it all. But, here, but here, here's what, what I'm trying, I'm, I'm, setting this, I'm setting the stage, because this isn't necessarily political first and foremost. I'm just telling you that this is coming, and it would take a fool to not be aware of this, and to not be aware of the implications of what's coming. But I don't want any summer soldiers or sunshine patriots at Living Stone because here's the deal. We have to learn to engage our enemy and to win. And we have to learn it in the easy times because if we wait for the hard times, we're going to lose. And the Bible does not, and please hear me, you all know my heart. The Bible does not prophesy that the church is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker and we're going to get our brains beat out. And there's only going to be like two of us in a, in a closet somewhere having a prayer meeting, holding on. We're the only ones that made it. Everybody else just fell off the ship. And the Antichrist is so big and bad and terrible and on and on. You know, that, that I think is setting you up for failure and for, for losing. How many of you know Christ is coming back for a beautiful, radiant, victorious, spotless bride that's ruling and reigning, and as we're talking about moving in the authority of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to be dealing with challenges because we are. In fact, I just want to go back a little bit to last week. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, in the last days there will be very difficult times. The Amplified Version says, in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that are going to be hard to bear. Uh, King James Version says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Thus, the, the, the subtitle of this series, Prevailing in Perilous Times. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. I, I alluded to it last Sunday. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. I, I told you last week that word many is what I don't like. Many trials and sorrows. But take heart, Jesus says. In other words, be courageous. I have overcome the world. How I many you know that's past tense? We're speaking about a reality here that says, you know what? Stuff's going to get shaken. But Jesus says, 
Take heart. In other words, be courageous, be brave. I've already overcome everything that you're going to encounter. Now, can I just ask a question? Is this good news to anybody? That, that I don't know what's around the bend. I kind of can sniff it out a little bit. But whatever's around the bend, Jesus Christ has already conquered. And there's some, whatever's coming our way, it's not for the defeat of the church. It's actually for the victory of the church. And it's for the advancement of his kingdom. And so I, I'm wanting to prepare you as we're getting ready for 2024 to move in on our knees, to move in in repentance, to move in in full of faith, and to move in knowing that there's going to be engagement. There's stuff that's going to happen, but we already win. Now, I used to love playing those video games where you had unlimited lives. Because if you have unlimited lives, even when your character gets killed, they respawn. Bleep! And then you just keep getting the bad guys. And so it's just, it, it, you don't know how long it takes to get all the bad guys, but you do know you're going to get them all and you're going to win because you have unlimited lives. Can I just say, in the church of Jesus Christ, we're moving in a situation where we already know Jesus has won and conquered everything. Our job is to move behind him and clean up all the spoils and move in the authority that he's given to us that we sang about today as we took communion and we sang about the cross. Take heart because Jesus Christ has already won. The, the word for victory or overcomer is the word nikos. It's where we get our word Nike. It's where and Nike, of course, means victory. Victory. This refers not just to a single victory, but to a continuous abiding victory. Let me give you a, a fuller translation of what Jesus is saying here. He says, church, I have overcome the world. I am still overcoming the world, and I will always be in an overcoming position over the world. Is that good news or what? That's the one we're following. He's the one we're in covenant with. We just took communion this morning. What was that communion all about? It was reminding you and reminding me that we are in covenant with the overcoming one, all right, the overcomer. That's who we are in personal covenant relationship with. We're going to flesh out what that means and why it's so important. Jesus has already defeated Satan on our behalf. The victory over our enemy is not waiting to be won. It has been won. You remember the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go into all the world. Why, therefore? Because all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. That is, that is an already done deal. Now go forward in the authority that Christ has given us as his sons and daughters. The victory on the cross where Jesus shed his blood, where he was buried, where he rose again from the dead, and even now where he ascended and he's seated next to the Father uh, at his right hand. That victory is total, it's permanent, it's irreversible. Satan cannot change what the cross has already accomplished. And this is the devil's only weapon, and I want you to hear this. If our victory and all the resources we need to thrive in this life have already been secured for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you know the only thing Satan can do is try to hide your eyes from it all? Satan's only uh, tool for us is our own ignorance. If you knew that you had everything that you needed to live a victorious life and you weren't, uh, then you could conclude that, you know what, I need, I've got some learning to do. I need to, I need to get better equipped because the outcome of my life is not the way it's supposed to be. In other words, if Satan can blind us from that, blind us from the cross, and I just want to say this, you know, one of the most powerful weapons we have, we sang about it today, 
And we celebrate it every time we do the Lord's Supper. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that's been poured out for us. There are a lot of churches that don't sing. They actually went through their hymnals, and they took out every hymn that refers to blood. Well, why would they do that? Well, because it's blood. It's, it's gory imagery. It, it's, it's messy. We don't want to offend people that might come into our church, and here we're singing about blood. Can I just tell you something? A bloodless church is a mockery of the gospel. A church that doesn't know about the blood, doesn't sing about the blood, doesn't understand that God sent his son who shed his blood so that we could be forgiven and we could be free and we could be empowered to do the ministry and mission of Jesus. A church that won't sing about blood is a church that's a powerless church. And so we need to know about the blood and we need to celebrate the blood. What Jesus did on the cross was no small minor thing. It was a magnificent thing. And it was, it was an act of atonement that paved the way for our victory. And that's what I want to drive home in, the, in this series. Satan does everything he can to keep us from knowing and understanding and applying the victory that he has won. And let me just say this. Applying the victory requires us to do one thing. And I want you to get this. All God ever asks of us is one thing. It's to believe. It's to have faith. It's to believe the good news of the gospel and then to begin to appropriate it, to proclaim it, to move in the power of the gospel. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God or born again. How many of you are born again? Wave at me. You're born again. You're in covenant with God, all right? Listen. Everyone born of, uh, born of God overcomes the world. How many of you are overcomers in this room? Okay, some of you didn't get it. How many of you are born again? Keep that hand up. Keep one hand up if you're born again. How many of you are on the basis of the fact that you're born again? You are right now an overcomer. All right, that's better. This is why it's okay to raise your arms in church. You're not a fanatic. You're just going, I'm born again. I'm an overcomer. Yes, that's what that means. Yes. And I, and I like to do this. It's a nice big V. It's a sign of victory. The little V is not good enough. I want a big V. I, want, I am an overcomer. That's what we do when we worship. Everybody who's born of God overcomes the world. Look at what it says. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. In other words, what leads us to this victory? Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? except the one who believes. Look at the combination there between faith and believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So, for instance, you know, you're dealing with somebody who's oppressed. You're dealing with somebody who's tormented. And um, you're like, oh, my gosh, I've never prayed for anybody like that. I, 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 I'm not sure what I'm getting into. This happened to me when I was 16 years old. I was just a kid. Um, and I said, Dad, I don't know. What, I've never prayed for anybody that was, you know, tormented by the enemy. I mean, you know, what happens? I mean, I, 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 he said, son. He says, if, if the Lord ever uses you or needs you to set somebody free, you'll have everything that you need. Do you know that it was that night, that night, I prayed over a young man who had been uh, using LSD and all kinds of hallucinogenic drugs and was in bondage and was literally tormented of the enemy. And here's my point. So, so what do you do? Do you go, oh, Jesus, you know, you know bless this guy. Help him, help him, Jesus. Or do you walk in there going, you know what? Devil, Jesus Christ has already 
kicked your ever-loving tail, all right? You are a loser. You know why you're a loser? The blood of Jesus Christ. You know why you're a loser? Because Jesus conquered you at the grave. He's alive, devil. He's not in the tomb anymore. In fact, he's seated at the Father's right hand. In fact, he's in a place of authority right now. So in the name of Jesus, set her free. Set him free. Now. Where does that come from? It comes from knowing who you are. It comes from knowing what the word says. It comes not by waiting for a feeling. It comes from acting upon the word of God and declaring what God says is true. And when you believe, then the whole authority of heaven backs up what you're doing. When you believe, when you move in faith, how do you overcome the world? You move in faith. You take authority over situations. Now listen, some of us have been raised in church situations, in church denominations, I was, where when anything is happening in your life that looks like hell, he comes to lie, steal, steal, kill, destroy. You know his job description. When anything like that comes in your life, then you just need to say, Lord, thank you, because in your sovereign plan, you're sending this into my life. And so I just embrace the disease. I just embrace the anxiety. I embrace the torment. I embrace the fear, because I know somehow, as I'm walking through this, I'm going to be a better person because of it. Did God tell you to roll over? And let the devil beat your brains out and beat your family's brains out and steal your kids and rob from you and lie to you and somehow you baptize it in the sovereignty of God and you think God's really excited because you're, you know, you're enduring. Where's the fight come in? And not only fighting for you, but how about fighting for your neighbors that are oppressed? How about fighting for unsafe people in your neighborhood? How about fighting for your country? How about fighting for unreached people groups where there's demonic strongholds? How about we learn to fight? Now, please hear me. I love the sovereignty of God. I, I love being able in things when I don't understand what's going on to say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. But in my trusting of him, my posture is always standing in the victory that he's won for me. And I, my expectation is for breakthrough. My expectation is for healing. My expectation is for provision. My expectation is for salvation. My expectation is for restoration. My, my expectation is for revival. That's my expectation. Well, pastor, are you just an optimist? No, I read the Bible. And I believe the Bible. And I'm going to fight for what God said is true. Well, pastor, the facts aren't looking good. I don't care what the facts say. I'm going to believe what God says. This trumps every situation that we're facing. So either I'm going to believe what God said and keep fighting and keep standing. And let me just tell you, Hebrews chapter 11 says that many of the people who fought saw incredible victories, and some people received their reward on the other side. I get that. But I don't know about you, I'm going down fighting. Well, pastor, why would you say that? Because listen, we're to fight the good fight of faith, and faith is what pleases God. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so what God's looking for it's people that will learn how to fight. Now, man, I just saw you got back from a, a marathon or some sort. Did you not? Now, 
Did you start training for that like months out or did you just show up and put your tennis shoes on? Yeah, you trained, didn't you? So like if I were to train for a marathon, the first thing I would do is walk home from church today. <laughs> and I would count that a victory. And then the, then the next day I might walk home and then I might walk back, catch my breath, and then have somebody drive me home. And then the next day, you know, you, you, try, to, you try to... In other words, you're not going to go out and take on Goliath until you've fought a few battles out there with a the lion and a bear, which are pretty formidable. But in other words, if, we're, if what we're coming into is going to be more challenging than we've ever experienced. Let me, let me ask that. Have, have any of you guys been experiencing a little more pressure? Just, you know, my wife told me the other day, she said, honey, you need to come grocery shopping with me because I don't think you understand how much things cost. She said, for instance, you know how much mayonnaise costs? Not a clue. I have never personally purchased mayonnaise in my life. Personal. I went shopping with her. I'm like, mayonnaise costs $12 or $10. All right, kids, mayonnaise on one piece of bread, not two pieces of bread. Anybody ever fill your gas tank up? And you're like, my truck takes $100 worth of gas. And then you come home, and you're all wound up, right? You're all wound up because you're, you're trying to run, some of you guys trying to run a business, pay bills, get paid on jobs. And you come home, and then you wonder why you're, you know, take it out on the wife, take it out on the kids, short-tempered. What is that? It's, it's stress. It's a pressure cooker. I mean, you know, you've got to figure out how to live in victory over the pressure cooker called life. There are people having uh, anxiety attacks. I mean, it just debilitates you. Boom, you're out. You're down. Now, how many of you know that's not from heaven? That's from hell. And you're not a bad person. You're just a person that's being attacked. But how many of you know if you don't figure out how to win that battle, you'll be in a mental health institution trying to take some pills and trying to calm you down and trying to help you sleep. And how many of you know that's not from heaven either? But I'm just asking you guys a question. Did Jesus defeat anxiety at the cross? Yes. Yeah. And did, he, did, did Jesus promise to be our provision? Yes. I want to ask that one again. Did Jesus promise to, to meet all of your needs? Now, I, I got to say another thing. I'm, just, I'm, help, I'm trying to help you out. What we're going to understand as well is as things heat up, you better be all in. Because you can't play around with one foot in hell and another foot in heaven. And you can quote those verses all you want, but when your own conscience says, you're a liar, or when the devil's voice says, you're a fake, then at that point, your confidence just went out the window. So how many of you know the Lord's trying to get us all in? And can I just suggest that the current pressures are not to take you out, but to push you in? Because if we're fighting these battles now and what's coming is greater, how I many of you know we better get ready? We better start training with Matt, all right? If we're going to run a marathon, we better start training because it's going to take a little. We're going to have to exercise some things. And, and that's what we're going to see when it comes to spiritual warfare. You've got to exercise your faith.
And, and Jesus has done all the heavy lifting. Our job, as the Bible says here, is to believe. Let me wrap this up. Look with me at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, For if because of one man's trespass, talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more, I'm sorry, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. Everybody say that with me. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I love the way J.B. Phillips' translation says it here. It says, For if one man's offense meant that men should be slaves to death all their lives, and that's what Adam brought for us, slaves to death all of our lives, it is a far greater thing that through another man, Jesus Christ, men by their acceptance of his more sufficient grace and righteousness should live all their lives like kings. Isn't that a good verse? If Adam and his sin brought us into a condition of being slaves for life, how much more did Jesus' mercy and righteousness, did his sacrifice on the cross bring us into a position where we would live like kings. Now, please hear me. I'm not, this, I'm not talking about this from a material standpoint. This is where I think the church got so off. We're not talking about living like kings uh, materially. We're not talking about that. We're talking about reigning in life over the issues and the challenges that you face so that you not only learn to live a righteous life yourself, but you learn to live a life that can set other people free. Amen. I just believe this with all my heart. You know, we're really excited about moving into that facility, but, but I don't think we're going to be in two services very long in that facility. And I, and I want to make my plea to all you all. It's going to be all hands on deck. Do you realize when shakings come, people are going to be freaking out? And, and their awareness of their need for something bigger than what they got is going to increase. And I'm telling you, don't fall into this panic mode. Things are going to get, no, no, no. Business for the church is going to be booming. Because yeah. people are going to be fearful and they're looking for answers. And, and please hear me. They should not come to a church that's fearful. They should come to a church that's moving in faith. They should come to a church that believes God. Should come to a church that's proclaiming what God has to say about the situation. We're going to be moving into a season of, of incredible outpouring. And I just want to say this. I want you all by my side, helping love people and set people free. Well, Pastor, I'm just trying to come to church right now and get my own act together. That's fine. That's valid. But you're not staying there. Because the Lord has need of you. Well, Pastor, I'm kind of young. Just ask some of the Bible guys that use that one on God. <laughs> He's totally tone deaf to that one. In fact, if you're young and feel totally overwhelmed, like how could God use me, get ready. <laughs> He's going to show you. We're going to be in meetings, I believe evening meetings, where we got more time, but we're going to see the glory of the Lord. We're going to see thousands and thousands of people coming to Christ. We're going to see a move of the supernatural power of God. We're going to see people healed. You know, we were just with somebody whose child is mistakenly thinking that she can be a he. On the drugs, breast removal, breaks your heart, 
breaks your heart because that is the absolute epitome of what the devil wants to do is destroy somebody's identity for good. Marion and I were talking on the way home. We, we, what's happening with gender mutilation in our culture will be like the AIDS epidemic of previous cultures. And there are going to be people that are going to be so desperate for their identity back, for healing back. And I'm telling you, they're going to be coming. They're going to be coming. And we want to love them well. But I don't know about you. I, I want to move in the authority that Jesus Christ has already given us to heal people and to restore people. Not like we cross our fingers. We cross our fingers and we, and we hope. No, 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 no. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the authority of the cross, in the power of the word of God, thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. And my urgency in this season, when we launch into 2021, we're going to move into a, a 21-day fat Daniel fast and times of corporate intercession. And we're going to continue that throughout the year because my passion and what I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit is the church has got to get ready to deliver the kingdom. And I want you to personalize that. I'm talking to you. I want you to feel that. Where are you in your knowledge of God? Where are you in your personal consecration? Where are you in those areas of your life where maybe there's still compromise? Because there's got to be genuine repentance in the church. You know where the Holy Spirit loves to show up? Where he's welcome. And where there's no sin in the camp and there's no compromise and there's no carnality. But where we hunger for God and we're willing to give our lives away to the king and to the kingdom to see the glory of God show up. I'm just telling you, I, I'm going to put my seatbelt on. I'm going to put my football helmet on like my, in the days with my dad and buckle it up. Because I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I'm saying this, if you'll jump in on, the, on the team, you'll get involved, you'll roll up your sleeves, you'll pursue God, you're going to see the Lord blow you away. And the stories you're going to have in the next year, I'm just telling you, dream with me, people. The stories we will have as a family will be with us forever. There's young people in this room, I'm just telling you, what you're going to see, what you're going to see in the next year, year and a half, two years, will mark your life forever. It will wreck you. It will absolutely wreck you. Because you're going to taste of the presence of God and the glory of God and the move of God. And once you've tasted, you're ruined for everything else. Doesn't matter what else you want to do. You'll live for the presence of the Lord. And you want to be an answer in your generation. So God is stirring us up. God is awakening us. He's going to get the church deeper. He's going to bring us into his presence. He's going to fill us with faith. And we're going to start loving and praying for people and believing God for people that are desperate and hurting. And we're going to see the glory of the Lord. And it's going to be awesome. There won't be buildings big enough to contain Oh, God, do it. (laughs) 
Lord, there won't be buildings big enough to contain what you're doing. So break the darkness off of our nation. Let Jesus be magnified. And Lord, give us a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Can you just open your heart to him right now? And just invite the Holy Spirit to move in your life. Just invite the Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, awaken me. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. We love you. Lord, I pray over the next couple of months at Living Stones that you bring about a supernatural transformation of our inner being. Father, I'm asking you to wreck us, break our hearts, bring refreshing in our hearts. Lord, clean us up where we need to be clean. Sensitize us to your presence. And Lord, get us ready for an amazing, amazing season of breakthrough and blessing. Thank you, Lord, that you're surrounding us like a shield. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the blood and for all that you poured out, the power of the Holy Spirit. We just embrace you, Holy Spirit, for this season that we're in. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you. You're not done with us yet. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if you need prayer, amen, amen. If you need prayer, people are here to pray with you. Otherwise, free up that parking spot, all right, as quickly as you can. We love you guys. Have a great, a great, great week.